1: From
2: HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry over there. So this is Stuff
0: You Should Know, the podcast. Wait a minute. Jerry's not there all of a sudden. It's as if she's vanished without a trace.
2: No, she's right there.
0: There's just a, a miso dust lingering in her where she once sat.
2: Jerry, do you eat a lot of miso?
0: It seems like she's eating miso soup a lot, but she probably just did that once, and I Mm -hmm. extrapolated that over years. She's eating Indian food right now. I know. Our uh, tiny little studio smells like... We need a spice kitchen. Yeah. you know what that is? It's a kitchen full (laughs) of spice. No, it's a second kitchen Uh for cooking really stinky food. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. I I need a... I want a spice kitchen so I can... Cook my rich uh, game meats that Emily can't stand to smell. What's your favorite game meat? I'm just kidding, I don't like game meats. Oh, what do you like that's stinky? Oh, I mean dude, if I cook bacon or country ham or steak in the Josh Clark uh cast iron pan, fry? pan steak. Yeah. It stinks up the house for two days, you know. <laughs> She's just like, Oh my god, like that animal in here. You need to get like
2: a good uh air purifier, air filter. Works works wonders.
0: Well, we don't have a uh a stove hood yet either, oh, yeah. which is, that's probably the biggest rub.
2: Yeah. And I think like depending on the stove hood, I think some of are just kind of like, but there's ones out there that are really good.
0: Yeah. I bet those are the expensive ones.
2: Yeah. But I'll bet you can find a good one that's at a lower price point.
0: Maybe. Or maybe I could just hire a guy that got a window right behind the stove right. to just sit a little short guy to sit in the window with some fireplace bellows. That'd be
2: good. Or one of those people who, like, fan things with palm fronds? Yeah. Maybe that's cheaper. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> for the life of your stove, probably not. Weirdest start ever. So, Chuck, you remember when David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear? I remember it happening. I didn't
0: watch it. You didn't watch it? No, I, I've never been a big fan of his, uh, his magic work. Even as a kid? No, not into it. Huh. Well,
2: I guess you would have been about fifteen at the time. I could see you, like, being like, "This is dumb."
0: Yeah. So you were eleven. It was the coolest thing ever.
2: Yeah. I was like, (laughs) "Oh, there's no way he's going to be able to do this." Oh my gosh, he did it! What? Like, what is that even? I I feel like, if I remember correctly, he put up basically a curtain around the Statue of Liberty and suddenly dropped it, (laughs) and the Statue of Liberty wasn't there. I'm sure it's all smoke and mirrors. Well, of course. It's, you mean it wasn't real magic? <laughs> well, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it <laughs> was wasn't. it dark arts? I don't think so. I don't think Satan was involved. It was too patriotic for that. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but uh, anyway, my point is, to this super lame intro, is that David Copperfield brought the Statue of Liberty back. It didn't disappear forever. It wow. just disappeared temporarily. It's amazing. But there are some things, mostly people, and some socks that do just disappear forever. That have disappeared forever and whose like mystery mysterious disappearances are still unsolved. Yeah. To this day.
0: It's pretty good. Do you lose a lot of socks?
2: Uh no. No. Yumi does our laundry.
0: She keeps tabs on the socks. Well they make little tabs that you clip on to keep your socks together that when makes you go sense. in. And I've also seen there's this one company that tried to sell socks in as three socks. <laughs> so you always had a backup. A superfluous sock. I know. Uh, Genius. It didn't I don't know if that took off like it should have.
2: Coulda. Who knows? The person who invented it? They know. Exactly. Believe me, they wake up every day and they're like,
0: Three socks was a great idea.
2: <laughs> so let's talk about some of these things that have disappeared without a trace.
0: Yeah. Uh this is one of our famous top tens. It'll be what, six to eight? Something like that. Long? Yeah. Solomon Northrup, number one. Have you seen 12 Years a Slave yet? Man. Still? No, it's sitting on my DVR, staring me in the face, daring me. to just me, go home today and watch it. Daring me to be sad and watch it. You just got to get it over with. It's, I know. It's, um, it, there, there's a certain amount of catharsis
2: to it. It's not just going to bring you down to the depths of depression and leave you there necessarily.
0: Yeah, I've been ticking off the really sad ones at a rate of about two per year. Mm. Like, I just watched... Beast of the Southern Wild, like, a few months ago.
2: I haven't seen that one.
0: Well, that's a good one. Is it good? Yes. Very tough movie. Is it? hmm But, yeah, long story short, I need to watch 12 Years a Slave. Okay. I'm shamed. I didn't mean to shame you. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like the third time I've been shamed it's about a this.
2: Good, it's a good movie.
0: So Solomon Northrop was the, uh, he was the man who wrote the memoir on which the movie was based, because it's a true story right? about his life. Yes. And he was born free, uh, an African-American in 1841, went, uh, well, it says here, was lured from his home in New York to Washington, D.C., and then kidnapped, forced into slavery in Louisiana.
2: Yeah, he was lured by being basically hired as a musician. And uh, while, when he went to D.C., he was kidnapped and sold into slavery and. Man, it just gets worse from there. What
0: they're like? You should come down and play the nine thirty club. Basically, DC.
2: yeah. He's like, "Great, let's do it." And they're like, "Oh, by the way, there is no nine thirty club right. yet. There's just uh, horrific slavery on a plantation in Louisiana." Wow. Um. So he actually, uh, spoiler alert for those of you like Chuck who haven't haven't seen the movie, he um is is basically rescued from slavery. Okay. He. Figures out a way to basically pass a message along, and the the people who know and can confirm that he was a born a Freeman, um, come and get him, which is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, the the and at the very end of the movie, in it, it, it says basically like the circumstances and date and whereabouts of Solomon Northrop's death are unknown.
0: Okay, so they just finish it with a like a. They do a, a graphic.
2: Yes, but basically it's almost like an offhanded thing. You don't think anything about it. Right. But it turns out he, he he
0: he he disappeared. Right, it was mysterious.
2: Yeah, he like people don't know where he went. He went back to uh, the north and ended up working in the Underground Railroad. There's some um, rumors that he became a spy for the uh, the Union during uh, the Civil War. That's a good. And at from. so at some point he went on a you know he wrote Twelve Years a Slave yeah and he went on a book tour um and uh, abolitionist book tour and he never came home from it
0: yeah and uh 1863 was about the last time that there were any records of his uh, existence and there are a bunch of different theories out there of what might have happened to him uh one that while he was a spy he was captured and killed right uh one is that he was. Kidnapped again and sold into slavery, but, um, I think I read that a lot of people discount that because he was kind of too old to be valuable, uh, at that point. Yeah. As a worker. Yeah. I can see it. And, uh, or maybe he encountered, well, we know he encountered some financial difficulties. So maybe he just assumed a new identity and yeah. kind of skipped town.
2: Right. Uh, there's also one that's like, the saddest, but also probably the most realistic, that he died in a place where they didn't know who he was. Oh, wow. And they weren't inclined
0: to to properly bury him. So he just led a regular life and died uh, unknown.
2: Yeah, or like he got run over by a horse or something on, uh, on a book tour and right. no one knew who he was. They just thought he was like some right. African-American. Yeah. You know, or, or maybe even a slave and they just right. buried him in an unmarked grave. Like a
0: pauper's grave. Yeah. Very sad. It is. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's the first one. Um, I think Jimmy Hoffa is a great way to follow that up. Who? Jimmy Hoffa. Hmm. <laughs> Famous Teamster, uh, Teamster boss.
2: I was reading a little bit about his huge beef with, uh, Bobby Kennedy. Oh yeah. They hated each other. Yeah. They didn't like each other. I mean hated each other. Like apparently Jimmy Hoffa shoved Bobby Kennedy what? at a restaurant once Right in his because chest? he felt yeah, cuz he felt like uh, he'd snubbed him. Wow. Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa didn't like that kind of thing. And Bobby Kennedy sent a he wrote a book called The Enemy Within and it was about like the mob. Uh-huh. And um I'm not sure if Hoffa was named in it or not, but it was basically like all all of his friends, Bobby Kennedy wrote a book about it and he sent a book a copy of it to Jimmy Hoffa, and he wrote a little inscription that said, To Jimmy, I wanted to make sure you got a copy of this from me so you wouldn't have to use pension funds to buy one. Zing. Zing,
0: indeed. And he said, have him killed.
2: And he finally, Bobby Kennedy finally got his mitts on um, Jimmy Hoffa and sent him to prison for a little while. But Hoffa was a huge contributor to Nixon's campaigns against the Kennedy. Yeah. And so when Nixon became president, uh, he pardoned Hoffa. That's right.
0: In 1971, he was pardoned. And then uh, on July 30th, 1975, just four years later, he uh, went for a meeting at the uh, Macus Red Fox restaurant. That's a great name. In Bloomfield, Michigan. That's uh, a great town. outside of uh Detroit suburban Detroit yeah. and he was never seen again never seen again he disappeared no bones no body no nothing
2: and there's been tons of theories and suppositions and rumors about what became of him right
0: yeah supposedly he was there to meet um a couple of mafia bosses anthony uh Giacolone and anthony provazano which was Big uh, Tony and Fat Tony? No, Tony Jack and Tony Pro. <laughs> Those were their nicknames. And um they denied later that they had a meeting scheduled. And they were—they ended up actually having an alibi because I read that and I was like, "Well, duh, right?" He goes to meet with two mafia guys and disappears, right? Uh, but supposedly they had an alibi. Their mothers, uh, and they, yeah, exactly. And they were not there. Um So they were at church. Yeah. With their mothers. There was a a truck, uh, like a, you know, a semi truck pulling into the parking lot Mm -hmm. and almost hit or got hit by this car pulling out a Mercury. And he said he looked in and he saw Hoffa in the back seat with another guy with what looked like a rifle like under, uh, like a blanket in between them.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, the mafia killed Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. There's virtually no dispute over that it's just what happened to his body exactly so some people said that he was buried under the old giant stadium in new jersey yeah is it the that meadowlands is... or is the new one at the meadowlands
0: no the old well the new one may be there too but the old one was definitely there
2: okay didn't happen
0: um, did they ever dig it dig up the the field and look no i think the MythBusters actually went there with some equipment mm-hmm. to that could detect whether or not
2: is there anything those guys couldn't do i don't know
0: Get along off the air. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, we can also verify that, um, a couple of weeks before he disappeared, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, were missing from the pension fund. Um, again, you know, no secret that the mafia probably had him done in. Right. So where's the body? Right.
2: So, um, in, I think 2014, a guy named, uh, Tony Zarelli. Another Tony. He wrote Tony's a book. Oak is that what his no. I'm just kidding. His uh, his his book was called Hoffa Found. And in it he detailed how Hoffa's body was buried under some concrete slabs in a barn in upstate Michigan. I thought you
0: were going to say it was a pop-up book and at the
2: end he just pops up. <laughs> right. Here's Hoffa. Um <laughs> You got me with that one, Chuck. Good. And uh, apparently the FBI read this book and they went and dug up the field and didn't find anything.
0: Yeah, they've looked um there are quite a few locations in suburban Detroit that they've done some digging over the years, uh, all yielding nothing, and uh, there are other rumors he was fed to alligators in Florida. Quite possible. That would be a good way to get rid of a body, I Run think.
2: through a wood chipper was another one.
0: Yeah. A la Fargo. Yeah, I think they will never find him. Uh, I think I also read that one um, supposedly r- r- reputable mafia source... Said, yeah, we killed him and we buried him in a shallow grave nearby and we were supposed to move it, but we never did. So he's just, you know, not too far from the restaurant.
2: Huh.
0: Um, they're like, like the restaurant. We never thought about that place, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I don't think they'll ever get anything. It'll yeah. Just be one of those enduring mysteries. Yeah.
2: That is lazy. You are too lazy to move a
0: body to a better location. Oh, oh right. Just leave him in the shallow grave. Yeah. All right. Should we take a break? Yeah, why not? All right. We will come back and talk about more Disappearing Acts. I love this.
2: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. Uh one of these chuck
1: we should at least give a shout out to
2: is the three guys who escaped Alcatraz. Oh yeah. And if you guys are interested in that go listen to our entire episode on Alcatraz where I believe we talked about this in depth. I hope so. I'm pretty sure we did.
0: Cuz if not people are going to be like uh or just go watch the great Clint Eastwood movie Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. Cuz it's pretty darn accurate to the real story. Sure. Um so we're going to breeze by that one. <laughs> I
2: mean, we can talk about it if you want. I'm endlessly fascinated by it. When we were in San Francisco for our, um, most recent tour for Sketchfest, actually. Did you go? No, I was, I ran down to the bay and looked out across it. I was like, I couldn't swim that. No
0: problem. I wanted to go, but you gotta get reservations, uh, Far in advance.
2: Sure. I've never been to Alcatraz. I want to go.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, let me call and get tickets. And they were like, we've been sold out for weeks.
2: I'd also like to go take a tour of Eastern State Penitentiary or one of those old, like, crazy asylums.
0: Yeah. I would love to do that. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Well, yeah, let's talk about it. Why not? Alcatraz? Yeah. Okay. 1962, Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers, uh, Johnny and Clarence, uh, they were bank robbers. Frank Morris is sort of a lifelong crook. That was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, very, very super intelligent guy who had escaped from several prisons. Uh, and finally they said, you know what? We're going to put you in Alcatraz because it's inescapable. It's like the Titanic of prisons. <laughs> <laughs> you saw what happened with that. So, uh, they devised a brilliant plan over the course of several months along with a guy named Alan West, um, who sadly was left behind, um, to, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't wake up. No, he couldn't fit through. He couldn't get his little vent open. They what they did was they carved oh, out a vent no. uh, over the course of months with like these little homemade chisels. He ate too much bread pudding in the meantime? Maybe. Jeez. I mean the guys tried. They were trying to kick it out from the other side and eventually they're like we got to go, dude. Yeah. So um the plan was over the course of months to carve out this space to get out, uh, work their way through the guts of the prison to the roof, right. slide down some drain pipes and then Swim away with homemade uh life vests made out of raincoats that they would collected and glued together.
2: But didn't they run into like some construction or something like that that just totally threw their their plan off and oh, they I had don't know. to improvise and go around and it oh, just was sure. exponentially harder than they thought it was going to be getting out? I, I believe it. But, but I not know that. But they made life rafts
0: out of raincoats that they yeah. sewed together to inflate. Well they glued them together, yeah. That's awesome. It is awesome. And they also made um bodies well, heads at least, right? Yeah, papier-mâché heads to lay in their bunks. Right. That um, you know, they they look like papier-mâché heads in the light, but when you're walking the rounds at night and it's just sort of tucked into a pillow under some blankies Sure. With real human hair, right, from the barber shop. Yeah, it fooled the guards. Gave real human good, hair. Yeah, real human That's hair. That's art. Don't they have those on display in Alcatraz still? Oh, I'm sure they do. Uh, and here's a neat little fact that I didn't know until my friend Stacy told me: mm-hmm. the uh, they didn't have cold water in Alcatraz because they didn't want you to be able to acclimate yourself no to the frigid bay waters no over time. So all the water was warm to wow. hot.
2: Wow!
0: How about Luxurious. that? Luxurious. Uh, the bay water is about fifty degrees. That's like an Omni. <laughs> it is. And uh they don't know. I mean, the FBI and everyone says, nah, they died for sure. The FBI says that about everybody they can't catch. <laughs> yeah.
2: Basically. No, they're dead. There's no way. Just don't bring it up again.
0: Right. Just shut up. Uh, <laughs> they don't think they could have survived the swim. Um, the original plan was to go to Angel Island, uh, go to the opposite side of the island, and then swim to Marin. Mm-hmm. Or and, Marin. I guess open a coffee shop.
2: I guess so. Hemp, immediately, right when they crossed into Marin store. County, they, they were in, <laughs> imbued with wealth.
0: Uh I don't know if they made it or not. Ap- apparently, a couple of weeks later, there was a freighter ship that saw a body mm-hmm. floating. Uh They didn't report it until October, though. They went from July to October and then said, oh, by the way, we saw a body floating that looked like he was wearing prison denims. Right. They finally got to that on their to-do list. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, report dead body. Well, it was a freighter ship. They didn't care. No. You know? Their laws, their allegiance is to the sea, not to man <laughs> on land. And they also found a few pieces of other evidence. Um, they found a life vest with teeth marks uh, near the valve. and um, Human teeth marks? Yeah. Human teeth marks? Yeah. Not barracuda. Teeth marks is in someone who was probably holding it in their teeth trying to blow it up while they were swimming.
2: Where would they have gotten a life vest?
0: Oh, I don't know. I think it was one of the homemade ones. Oh, oh, gotcha. Well, so, I mean, that doesn't mean anything they could have ditched. Well, that's what I
2: say. The, the, The fact that the body was unidentifiable.
0: Yeah, and they never, uh, they never, you know, resurfaced. Uh, the plan was to rob a store on Angel Island and get clothing and there were never any robberies planned, uh, you mm, know, that's kind talked of about,
2: that's a little telling. Although they could have been like, I'm too cold to rob anything. Let's just go to Marin <laughs> and hug. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Indeed. When was that? 1962? Yeah. Cool.
0: I think we'll never know. Just like the rest of these
2: unexplained mysterious
0: disappearances. Uh, should we move on to the candy heiress? Yeah. Helen Brock. Um,
2: I can't remember where I saw something. I saw, I guess, a documentary on this case. It's amazing. Oh, yeah? It's an amazing true crime cold case. Helen Brock's yeah. mysterious disappearance. And this, our own article gets it a little bit wrong. Yeah. Um,
0: but let's talk about it.
2: Okay. So Helen Brock was the heiress to the Brock candy fortune because yeah. her husband, Frank Brock, um, had, was a co-founder of right. the company. And when he died, he left his wife, Helen, um, I think basically everything. And she was a very, very wealthy woman. And she liked to do things like go to the Mayo Clinic to get her annual physical. Yeah. Like Mr. Burns. (laughs) Although she was nothing like Mr. Burns. Uh, From what I understand, she was a very, um, lovable, conscientious, cool person. Oh, okay. Um, but she was very, very wealthy. So why not go to the Mayo Clinic? That's what I do. Back in nineteen seventy seven she went to the Mayo Clinic uh and got a workup and the last reliable person to see her alive was a woman who was working at the Mayo Clinic gift shop where Mrs. Brock stopped to get a gift
0: for her niece. Yeah, a Mayo Clinic snow globe. Exactly. <laughs> right. And shot glass. <laughs> right.
2: And, I can miniature
0: be... license plate. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else?
2: else? Anything else? Spoon?
0: Spoon? Uh, Mayo Clinic spoon? People yeah, collect those? Yeah. Uh, Mayo, Mayo Clinic sock puppet? Yeah. Big seller? Yeah. So she said, uh, to the lady, I'm in a hurry. My houseman is waiting. Uh, houseman was one Jack Matlick and she was never seen again. Um, Matlick had dropped her off, uh, obviously for the outbound flight to Minneapolis. And then he said, no, man, she came back. I picked her up. And then she spent four days, didn't call anyone, but she was here. At home. At home, even though there's no evidence to uh, corroborate this. Right. And then he said he dropped her off again at the airport. Yeah, to go to Florida. Right, where she had a
2: condo. Correct. And it was when she didn't show up in Florida as planned that people started noticing she was missing. And they called her house and Matlick answered and to different
0: people gave varying stories about where she was. Did he say Matlick residence? (laughs) Right <laughs> I mean uh I mean Brock it's too resident soon, too. Soon. So um here's a couple of hinky details Matt Matt like I think was the guy although I, he, I disagree. Oh really? Yeah. Uh he um well the the people on the original flight like the flight crew said now nah, she was never on this plane to begin with.
2: Oh from the Mayo Clinic back to Chicago?
0: Yeah. Okay. So that stands out as super hinky.
2: Well, he wasn't there then. He was going to pick her up in Chicago. He wouldn't have been in Minneapolis. So if she wasn't on the flight from Minneapolis to Chicago, he wouldn't have had anything to do with that.
0: Seemingly. But he, why would he say that he picked her up if she didn't arrive? I, I'm not saying he didn't know what happened, yeah. but I don't think he was the one that killed her. Sorry, look, just go, go. Well, he, uh, he cashed, uh, he was found out later to have cashed 13 grand in checks, uh, with the Ford's uh, signature from but her. It wasn't his handwriting. And it wasn't hers. That's right. But he's clearly working with someone. Sure. That's where I'm going here. Okay. Uh, and her brother, uh, Charles Voorhees the, and Matlick actually burned her diaries after she died. And there's which is super weird.
2: Well, her brother's explanation was that she was into automatic writing, which is basically where you get a piece of paper and a pen and some peyote. Super, super Victorian, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, you say, Oh, spirits speak through me. Oh, oh okay. excellent airbag. Let's see what you got. Right. right. And it, you just start the spirits move your hand. And he, her brother said, uh, she would not have wanted people to see this stuff. So we just burned
0: it. It's like the Ouija, Ouija writing. Right. It's exactly like that. Except with a pen. Interesting. So they were just embarrassed and didn't want that to get out. That's what he said.
2: Well, I mean, it's not a crime to destroy your papers. A lot of people made the case that, um, True. uh, Mark Twain should have destroyed his papers rather than allowing them to be published posthumously.
0: I thought you were going to say Mark Twain got rid of, got rid of her. <laughs> but that's impossible. It, it isn't. Im- 1977. It is impossible. you imagine Twain in the 70s? I think it would have been much the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whimsical musings. Yeah. With a seersucker suit. Sharp, <laughs> sharp wit, you know? Yeah, with the seersucker. Yeah, he would have been Tom Wolf. So, uh, there's another guy named Richard Bailey who was a vacuum salesman. And yeah. apparently he was, uh, sort of like dirty, rotten scoundrels. He would swindle old ladies out of their dough. I think it was more like American Gigolo. Uh, well, no, I don't think he was gigoloing. I think he was. Yeah. Oh, he was? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought it just had to do with, uh, horses. And horse was, racing. That was his entree. Like, invest in this thoroughbred. Uh-huh. Give me your dough. But also. Come and lie down with me. This isn't a sock in my jeans. You know? <laughs> That's a jiggle of thing to say. Okay. Uh, so he was eventually pinched for fraud and racketeering, sentenced to prison. Um, and people thought that he had a role in her disappearance, but he said, no, I didn't. And a judge said, you know what? I think you did. And he said, who cares what you
2: think, judge? Well, the judge said, well, I'll tell you why you should care because I'm giving you a 30 year sentence because I suspect that you had something to do with Mrs. Brock's disappearance and likely death. So who do you, you think it was him? I do. I do. Although he wrote a, a book, um, that said he loved her, that he'd, yes, he was a gigolo. Right. Just a gigolo. But he fell in love with her and his love was sincere and real. Um, and he said that he was going to give the proceeds from his book to her favorite charity, which is an animal welfare charity. Hmm. And she had her own foundation that she endowed upon her death. Yeah. And she was declared dead seven years later in 1984 just because yeah. that's what they do when you don't turn up for seven years and people think you're dead. Yeah. Um, and her uh, her endowment basically went toward almost exclusively animal welfare. Well, he had already stolen all of her money when he killed her, right? Well, that was the thing. So he sold her some bum racehorses, sure. For 300 grand. Yeah. And they later sold for $1. That's how bad off
0: these racehorses were. He said, "Buy Limpy Joe, he's a great investment."
2: And bruh one eyed Pete. And they uh they think that he had her whacked because um she was going to blow the whistle on him. Interesting. Yeah, that's the theory. All right. And I mean He's in prison for it right now. He's not in prison for her murder, although the judge just said, "Like, yeah, I'm, I gave you a stiff sentence because I think you killed her."
0: Kind of like when OJ was uh, mm-hmm. sent to prison for uh,
2: armed robbery.
0: Yeah, and kidnapping and all these right. other, yeah, all these other things. I
2: think it's the exact same
0: thing. Are you Which, watching that OJ show right now? No,
2: I'm. I'm waiting until it's done and then I'll start. Boy, Is it good? Oh, You're it's
0: terrible. It? Oh, really? Well, terribly awesome. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. However, I think I'm bailing on it because after a few episodes, I was the novelty of it being terribly awesome kind of wore off. Gotcha. And I'm like, "Ah, I just don't know if I have time to watch something that's good, bad, or bad good. I
2: think you don't. Life's too short, you know? You might
0: like it, though. You never know. I'll try it, for sure. It's just bad casting. Cuba Gooding Jr. Is he not a good O.J.? Well, he's just... He's too nice? He's just small. Like, he doesn't look like a football player. Gotcha. Even though he played one of Jerry Maguire. Now that I think of Yeah,
2: it. he did. He played a wide receiver though. OJ was Good what point. was he? He's
0: a running back. Was he? Yeah, you gotta be he a little stockier than that. Bigger and uh boy Malcolm Jamal Warner is AC and he is way over the top. Is he really? Yeah, but it's worth it for just to watch Travolta. It's that's something else. He plays Robert Shapiro, right? Oh does he. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to see this now, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh you should definitely check out I'm the, psyched. The first one at least.
2: Well, since we're so psyched, we should take another break. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay all right game off let's pause here to talk more about monopoly go because in monopoly go you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards it's very nice
0: that's right and the more you win together the more awesome prizes you unlock and there's so much to get That's right, there's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!
1: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode,
0: Here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah, so they
2: were in a storage room at the Smithsonian. They were on loan in, uh, from, since 1965 from the University of Maryland Dental School, right?
0: Yeah, Washington had terrible teeth, like me. That's his, like, that was his cross to bear in his life. Right, yeah. By the time he was inaugurated, he only had one tooth remaining. Mm-hmm. So he very famously had full dentures in his mouth. Right. Uh. And the providence of those dentures is up
2: for debate. They're clearly not, they're not wood or wooden teeth. No, that,
0: that's an old wives' tale.
2: But there's things like ivory. Sure. Um, gold.
0: Yeah, real human.
2: Real teeth. human teeth. And yeah. that's where, like, the debate comes up, because some people are like, he, these were forcibly taken from his slaves, and other people are like, they might be slave teeth, but he probably bought them. If you really look at, like, his character over the course of his lifetime, sure. he most likely wouldn't have had his teeth his slaves' teeth forcibly extracted, he probably would have compensated for it. And if you look at contemporary ads at the time, that was a common practice to buy teeth from people who were willing to give them up. Although I'm quite sure that somewhere in the U.S., dentures were
0: made out of forcibly extracted slaves, which is
2: like one of the most horrific things I've ever heard of.
0: So in the end, uh, Washington ended up having four... Uh, there are, well probably more than four but there are four existing sets left on display and uh one of which was at the Smithsonian until they disappeared um from a storage room where only employees had access so it double locked storage yeah room. it very much is uh, seems like an in- inside job almost invariably yeah but it gets a little more interesting cuz Half of them showed back up. Yeah, the
2: lower, the lower half. I think.
0: I believe it was the lower half. Yeah.
2: Like a year later, it, they just suddenly reappeared out of nowhere. Yep. And they think that um, rather than sell these on the market to somebody like Steven Spielberg or something, <laughs> yeah. they they uh, they melted them down for their gold, which is terrible. Sure.
0: You know. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'd
2: rather have some rich jerk have the, the full set and just know that they're out there still. Right. Than have them melted down for gold. Right. They're
0: like... You can get that anywhere. Yeah. Um, that would be very sad. Indeed. Uh, and to this day, they still don't know where those uh, the top set... Or I'm sorry. the uh, Yeah, the top set remains missing. Yeah. It might be someone's wedding ring right now. Wouldn't that be weird?
2: That would be really weird.
0: You know? Yeah. Flight 19, are we moving on?
2: Yeah, I love this one. We covered this one a little bit in the Bermuda Triangle episode.
0: Yeah, I remember not liking that episode for some reason. I, I don't know. I don't. It was basically like, look at all this hokum. Yeah. Yeah,
2: we spent the whole time explaining why the, it's not a real thing. Okay. Well, maybe I did like it then.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's not a real thing. No, it's not. There's not some mysterious. But there has vortex. been a
2: lot of weird disappearances in that area. That's indisputed.
0: Right, Indisputable. So, Don't 9- even try. <laughs> flight 19 in December 1945, there were five planes, uh, TBM Avengers, which were torpedo bombers. Uh, they took off from Fort Lauderdale on a training mission. Uh, supposed to be a couple hours. Don't go more than 150 miles, guys. And uh, just come on back and we'll have some hot soup waiting on you. Right. Or maybe it's Fort Lauderdale. Some, some gazpacho. Yeah or a Cuban black bean soup maybe <laughs> ooh
2: yum yeah uh, but they never came back no they didn't um in, in back, back in Fort Lauderdale i think of the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood Airport which is what it is now back then it was like Fort Lauderdale right yeah um the uh they were waiting anxiously for him and and they never came back although they did get a radio transmission from the guy who was the trainer
0: yeah the flight leader
2: he said, uh, both my compasses are out for some reason, and we are in big trouble. We have no idea where we are. And they went back and forth with the um, tower for a while, trying to figure out where they were, uh, and they changed courses a few times, and then that was the last anybody heard of them.
0: Yeah, so they sent a plane after them, uh, a Mariner aircraft with 13 men aboard, so they Already lost fourteen, I believe, from these other flights. Okay, five
2: planes, and then they sent another plane, right? Sent another plane. That one didn't come back. Be made a Triangle.
0: Well, that one's no big mystery. They attributed that to an explosion, so they think it actually exploded. And well, what made it explode? Well, I don't know. aliens. But it didn't mysteriously disappear. <laughs>
2: okay, the other ones definitely did mysteriously disappear, and um they. M- pe- most people thought that they just went. Um, further and further out into the Atlantic, that at one point they were over the Bahamas or Bermuda, which they mistook for the Florida Keys, right. which is not the same thing. No, it's not. And if you, you use that mistakenly as your bearings, you're going to be in big trouble. And that they ended up just running out of fuel and crashed in the Atlantic. But uh, in the last year or two, a couple of independent searchers, who had the same theory independently, came together and said, you know what, there was, in 1989, a Broward County Sheriff's Department helicopter spotted the wreckage of one of these planes, the TBM Avenger, oh, in wow. the Everglades, next to Jimmy Hoffa's body, right? That's interesting. And um, they they said it was so far off from where they thought Flight 19 had been that it couldn't have been one of them. And then they went back and looked at the records, and they were like, well, the only missing... Avenger planes are from flight 19. Yeah. So it has to be one of them basically. And they found an aircraft carrier off of Daytona had tracked six unidentified planes that night turning into the Florida mainland. So they think rather than going out to sea, they turned inland and didn't realize they were inland because the weather was so bad. And they were way off course. Right. And they at least one of them crashed in the Everglades.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um the only thing I knew about this previous to this research was uh, the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind.
2: Oh, really? They showed up in that.
0: Yeah, remember there was. Um...
2: I I never saw the whole thing.
0: Oh man, it still holds up. Really? Yeah, like Old really, Steven really good. Steven Spielberg
2: movie. knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and the special effects even still look pretty decent, considering mm-hmm. you know what what were how long ago it was. Yeah, Um they found the planes in the desert. Uh, and the idea was that the aliens had, had gotten a hold of the guys because at the end of the movie, the, the big mothership lands and they lower the thing. And all George these, Clinton comes out. Not George Clinton, but all these people come out and, um, people oh, had yeah, been yeah. abducted over the years. Right. And the crews of flight 19 came out nice. still the same age as when they disappeared in their flight uniforms. Nice. And they were like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> They're like, what a night. And then they went, Oh my God, it's Richard Dreyfus." I love Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. Did you see Madoff? Uh I watched a little bit of it. Was that any good? Did you watch it?
2: It didn't catch my attention.
0: Yeah, I did watch Jaws again the other night for like the eightieth time. Sure. That
2: it's an all time that'll be great a hundred years from now.
0: And I can watch it every single time I get right back into it. Yeah. Amazing. Uh Mary Celeste. I sure. thought we had covered this, but we haven't. No. This doesn't, isn't super mysterious to me. What do you think happened? Well, here's the backstory in case there's anyone on earth that doesn't know mm-hmm. about the ghost ship. Uh, it was, um, in 1872 in December, um, there was a British vessel about 400 miles east of the Azores Islands, a thousand miles west of Portugal, and they saw this ship, the Mary Celeste, and they went, Oh my God, look at that ship. We know that ship. Let's go over to it mm-hmm. and say hello but there was nobody on board no and they knew that it shouldn't be
2: where it was and that there's something up because the the crew that spotted it the um what is it the day would you pronounce the e and the i
0: uh hmm, I'd pronounce that the de grazia oh nice okay <laughs> but it's a british vessel so that's probably wrong so okay But still, they could have it named
2: like that, you know? So the De Grazia um, said, well, this, the Mary Celeste left eight days ahead of us. It should be like all the way to Genoa basically by now and it shouldn't be there. And when they looked, there was no one on board, but there wasn't any obvious reason for there to be no one on board. It was a ghost ship, which is awesome in and of itself.
0: I mean, it is fairly mysterious um, because, well, here's some of the facts. There were 1,701 barrels of. Industrial alcohol on board. Um, only nine were empty because there was one theory that the, the crew got drunk and they on industrial alcohol on industrial alcohol and, um, had a mutiny. Right. But apparently um, that doesn't hold up. It's not a likely story. No, they think the nine barrels, um, they were made of a different kind of oak than mm-hmm. the, all the others and it's a leaky oak. Right. So they say it probably just leaked out. Sure. What else? Food and water. They had plenty of it still on board. Six months worth left on board. Yeah.
2: Um and I think a woman named Mary Thoroughgood created a documentary about this and really like investigated it. And um these are mostly her findings and they're pretty recent. But um one of the one of the big weird mysteries is that the lifeboat was gone, right? Kinda weird. I think that's because they got on it and left. There was a pump disassembled and there's a little bit of water. But upon inspection, the De Grazia found, like, no, this thing's totally seaworthy. She can make it all the way to Genoa, and we'll, we'll even tow her. And they towed her to Portugal, I believe, right?
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. Apparently, the hull, uh, where the flooding was, was so crowded that the captain, Benjamin Spooner Briggs, mm-hmm. couldn't get down there. So he didn't know how much water. Right. So one of the theories is that he thought they'd taken on way more water than they had. Right. And his family was on board, including his little two-year-old daughter. Right. And he said, uh, no, let's just get the heck out of here. I'm not taking any chances. Which was
2: a big chance that didn't pay off in and of itself.
0: Yeah, but the abandoning ship is a last resort. Like, sure. You don't just say, oh, I think we might be in trouble. Let's get on out of here. <laughs> on
2: the one lifeboat for all of us. Yeah. And, yeah, in the middle of the Atlantic. That's not, yeah, no, you're not going to do that. No. What do you think happened?
0: I think that that's what happened. I think that he thought they had taken on way more water. Uh-huh. He had his family aboard, saw, they had just been through a bad storm, Mm -hmm. and he saw the mainland with his own eyeballs and said, this is our chance. Let's not screw around here. Uh, I don't want to sink with mainland in in sight. But the thing is,
2: the mainland wasn't in sight. The Azores are like in the middle of nowhere. They're like uh, halfway between the Atlantic, between Europe and, um, North America.
0: Well, that's where they found it eventually, but, um, supposedly he saw the mainland. Oh, yeah? And or I think so, and that's why I think that he just said, all right, it's time to go. So there's long been a
2: suspicion that the crew of the De Grazia were the ones who did away with the crew of the Mary sure. Celeste.
0: Yeah, like, when not go ship when we found it?
2: Right. So the reason they would have done this is because under maritime law, if you find a ship, uh, that's insured. The insurer has to pay you a salvage fee. It's yeah. an insured amount. Which they did. They did, but they only got one-sixth of the insured amount, which suggests that the, the British Maritime Admiralty Court believed that they were crooked, that they'd done something to the Mary Celeste
0: people. Yeah. We shall never know.
2: No. Unsolved mystery.
0: Yeah. In fact, uh, I was going to say we should do an episode on that in full, but um, I think maybe we should just refer people to stuff you missed in history class. Yeah. Because they did a great episode on that. Yes. The Mary Celeste. So we got one more, Chuck. All righty. This might be my favorite one of all. I had never heard of this uh, pro basketball player who disappeared without a trace. I hadn't
2: either. His name is John Brisker, right? That's right. He's uh, from Detroit, and he went to the U- University of Toledo, actually. Oh. Go uh Rockets rockets. And the thing is while he was at UT apparently he'd had a racially harmonious upbringing in Detroit and got to Toledo and experienced racism firsthand Interesting. and grew up fairly bitter from it. He uh-huh. was um uh he he had a reputation of having a short fuse after that point which he didn't have before growing up.
0: Yeah, he went on to play pro ball with the ABA, uh the Pittsburgh Condors and then eventually um Made his way to Seattle with the Supersonics.
2: And he was good too. With the Condors over three years, he averaged 26 points a game.
0: Yeah. First year,
2: it was, uh, was 21. The second and third years, it was about 30 points a game for the year. Yeah. That's a,
0: that's amazing. Even for the ABA. Sure. Um, I'm not knocking the ABA. They were great actually. Uh, was there an Atlanta team in the ABA? No. It was always NBA. Where did Atlanta get its team from? From, uh, why do I want to say Milwaukee? That was the Braves. Yeah. Geez, I can't remember. And the the Thrashers were the Flames, right? Well, no, we had the Flames, and they just went away. Oh. And then we created the Thrashers. The and Flames then went out. They went out. No, the
2: stuff the Thrashers went to Canada or something. Yeah,
0: they went to a different city. Gotcha. Uh, don't have hockey in Atlanta. Was, I think we've learned our lesson.
2: <laughs> not there's a lot of transplants, but apparently not enough.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, Back to Brisker. He, um, eventually played for the Sonics. And uh, after that, he said, I'm going to open a restaurant. That failed. And then in 1978, he said, you know what? I'm going to Africa and I'm going to open an import export business.
2: Yeah. But he, he wasn't just going to Africa. He went to Africa under the invitation of the Ugandan dictator, Idi Amin, who loved basketball, loved basketball. And I guess I'd heard of John Brisker and John Brisker said, sure, man, let's, uh, let's hang out. Kind of like Rodman with um, Kim Jong-un. Yeah. And uh, he went and hung out with Idi Amin, definitely. Um, and I guess about six weeks after he made it to Uganda, he placed a call to his girlfriend and the mother of uh, one of his children, um, Melvis Diane Williamson, right? Yeah. And he said, hey, baby, uh, we are going to get back together. I'm going to have you guys come over here soon. I'm just laying the foundation. It's all good. I'll see you guys I'll call you in a little bit. And that yeah. was the last anybody ever heard from him.
0: Yeah. And there, um, there are many theories on this one. One is, uh, well, Amin figures in it a couple of ways. One is that maybe he ran afoul of Amin and mm-hmm. was killed by uh, he and his soldiers. Yeah. The other is that he was killed by anti-Amin revolutionaries because he was pals with Amin.
2: And he was there w- when the Amin regime was toppled in 1978. Yeah. Like that's when he was there.
0: Uh, and another one that I don't think is true at all is that he eventually made his way to, uh, to Jonestown and was part of the Jonestown, Jim Jones, uh, suicide right. massacre. Of 900 people. That one actually has more legs than
2: it appears at first. He had a great aunt who was there who oh, tried really? to get him and other family members to come join her in Jonestown. All right. So we'll give that a So plausible. it's like not just totally random. Yeah. You know? Um, but they, that's... It probably didn't happen.
0: I think they can't find any real evidence that that happened.
2: His brother Ralph said, up until he was declared dead in, I think, 1985, his brother Ralph held the idea that his his brother had just assumed another identity to get away from debt. Because he owed like 20 grand in taxes just from that restaurant alone.
0: Yeah. Um, That used to be a a viable option in life. So you could just, like, take out your identity. Yeah. In fact, Did we ever do a show on that? Yeah. Okay, that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That one might need a dusting off. (laughs) Probably. It's. I think the answer now is no. You can't. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Is that it, sir? I think that's it, man. Unsolved mysteries that may stay unsolved forever. We're Robert Stack. Thank you for joining (laughs) us. Or wait, I'll be Dennis Farina. You be Robert Stack.
0: Ah, God rest his soul. Both their souls.
2: Dennis is dead now?
0: Yeah. That stinks. He's one of my faves.
2: Yeah, he was good. Remember Crime Story? 80s?
0: Was it a TV mafia show? Mafia
2: Vegas show, yeah. I don't think I ever saw that. Good one.
0: But he's uh, Midnight Run, one of my all-time favorite comedies. He figures heavily into that. Does he? And um, uh, Out of Sight, the great movie from Steven Soderbergh. With George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Huh. Fantastic movie. He's in that, too.
2: I like him as a law and order man myself. <laughs> right. He's a former like real cop, I think. I could totally see that. Uh, well, if you want to know more about Dennis Farina, type that name into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since
0: I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Oh, no, my friend. It is time for Administrative... <laughs> Hear the drum and bass kicking in right about now. That's right. So this is uh, when we thank people for their lovely gestures of kindness mm-hmm. by sending us uh, neat things, <laughs> oftentimes handmade. Things. Yeah,
2: for sure, man. So, so you ready to get started?
0: Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and start with our pals Liz and Jen at Little Bit Sweets. They uh, consistently send us candy every year from their uh, homemade. Uh, their shop in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Um, It's all delicious. We've talked about them for years. (laughs) And they are genuine pals now. Yep. And uh, just great ladies and support Little Bit Sweets is all i got to say.
2: Yep. L-I-D-D-A-B-I-T Sweets. Correct. You will love it. Um, Let's see. I want to thank Addie Prey Livingston. Who gave me, uh, went an, at our Atlanta show, uh, as we were leaving the stage, uh-huh. she handed me a book. Oh, yeah. And the book was a copy of Paper Moon. Oh, that's right. Actually, Addie Prey, the movie that Paper Moon is based on. Uh-huh. And if you'll notice, she has the same name as the ti- as the title character. That's because her
0: grandfather, Joe David Brown, wrote the book. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, thank you very much for that. I'm, that's, I can't wait to read it. Because that is famously one of, if not your favorite movies, right? It is tied with The Shining. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Talk about two different movies. Love that movie. Uh, Burning Hand Leather Goods uh, sent us these awesome leather notebook cases. Yeah. Um, Very cool. They hold, like, mini moleskins. Yeah, they they have all kinds of cool products. Yeah. I would... Highly advise you check that out.
2: Uh, Douglas Gibson sent us a copy of Tales of a Fifth
0: Grade Night, the kid's book that uh, he wrote, which is awesome. Thank you. Um, Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, as always. They have sent us stuff over the years. Um, when they found out that Josh uh, was a big fan, yeah. they were delighted. And now we have a, a kinship. Have a, a, yeah, a kinship yes. with one another. Yes, we do. He,
2: and uh, remember Gordon, uh, one of the founders of Uncle John's. The Bathroom Readers Institute. That's right. um, Was on our Barbie episode. That's right. Where we got into a shouting match at some point, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Uh, Let's see. Kurt Schroeder from the Origami Brain Injury Rehab Center in Mason, Michigan, sent us some cool puzzles and books that are awesome and um, mind-bending. Thank you for those.
0: Uh, Jeff, thank you for the um, tick combs. Yeah. The
2: patent-pending Tick Combs. Well, by now, this is so long ago, the patent's probably been granted.
0: Yeah, so if you have a dog, you can go to TickComb.com, and they are pretty awesome, and they are 3D printed even.
2: Yeah. Uh, Alex Bologna sent us the Joy of Christmas CDs, his CD of him singing uh, Christmas standards. Thank you very much for that, Alex. I love Christmas music.
0: Uh, Sarah at the Beijing Normal University, Mm -hmm. not the Abnormal University in Beijing. (laughs) The much more highly reputable, normal one. She sent us these beautiful Stuff You Should Know paper cuts uh, and the uh, charms. Yep. Right? Yes. Very nice.
2: Um, Tyler Murphy for not just the North Dakota wine, but tons of other things, great gifts over the years. And also, steady, unflagging
0: support for us through emails and thoughts and tweets, all that stuff. So yeah. Thanks a lot, Murph. Tyler's a great guy. Uh, fighting the good fight by being a public school teacher. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Daniel from Techniflo for the Sound Still Series Necklaces. Yeah, uh, they are awesome. Yeah, they're really cool. You can find those at uh, Techniflo, that is T-E-C-H-N-I flowdesign.com or just go to Etsy where you can find all this stuff usually. Yeah. Uh,
2: Talia sent us a postcard from Canada. Lisa Hirsch sent us some banana candies. Thanks, guys.
0: Uh, We got another postcard, an invitation, actually, from Emily Crawford to uh, Stan Hewitt Hall in Akron, Ohio. And Stan Hewitt is a very famous place in Akron. It's sort of like their Biltmore house. Oh, yeah. And it's gorgeous. And um, sadly, Emily's parents moved down here, so I'm not going to Akron much anymore. Well, we could
2: still go for Stan Hewitt Hall. All right. Uh, Reed Wilson of Reed Wilson Design, which you can find at ReedWilsonDesign.com, sent us some really awesome uh, doormats and coasters. Oh, yeah. The good stuff, man. Go check it out, ReedWilsonDesign.com. He's got a lot of really cool ideas.
0: Uh, Abby sent us a letter and a drawing, and uh, she wrote in to let us know how to pronounce uh, basalt correctly. Am I saying it right? I don't remember. I think we said basalt. Basalt. And I think it's basalt. Yeah, uh, and uh, happy birthday, Abby! Uh, good luck in high school. Yes, for both of us.
2: Uh, Alan Barrington Hughes sent us Reaper Sauce from Pucker Butt, based on our Chili Pepper episode. I have not gone anywhere near it.
0: I tasted it, and uh, it burned a hole clean through my tongue. Yes. So if you are into the really hot stuff, and you think you have what it takes, yeah, uh, I dare you to give it a shot. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Whitley, thank you for the uh, pencil colored art. It's really cool. And we're guessing that it's Darwin and McCarthy that's our best guess. Okay. And I think we're right.
2: Um, Dawson's Hot Sauce from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada sent us some really great hot sauces. Um, my favorite was the garlic and jalapeno. That was good stuff.
0: Carol Chan, thank you for the Rat Race Millionaire, uh, I guess written by your husband, yes. Michael Hung. And also the three knitted rats. Yeah. Who doesn't love a knitted rat? No one. That's why she included them. Agreed.
2: Um, and then Robin and Aaron
0: uh, sent us the St. Louis Arch postcard. Thanks for that, guys. Uh, Allison McDougall, uh, thank you for the CDs of your husband's one man band, who also doesn't love a one man band. You can listen to that at McDoug- uh, McDougallMusic.com with two L's. And just MC, not MAC. Yeah, of course. That's the traditional spelling.
2: I think that's it, man. I think we're essentially caught up on administrative details. So, guys, we need, now. we need more stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, thanks, as always, to everyone who's kind enough to take the time to say, oh, hey, thanks to Nate today at H&F Burger downstairs mm-hmm. for comping my lunch. That's very nice. I went down there to eat a meal, and he comes by and goes, Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And I went, uh, I know what that means. Here's, here's he another subpoena. <laughs> uh, but he's the GM at uh, Holman and Finch, their restaurant group, and I went to leave, and they were like, no, it's on us.
2: Nice. Did he send you a burger for me?
0: No, but I would advise you going down there and just like kind of... Just st- kind of stand training, around the yeah, counter. <laughs> tra- training your neck around. <laughs> stand under the TV with me on it, right? Yeah, so thanks, Nate. Uh, he didn't even know we were in this building. Like, oh, yeah? You, you should know, listen right
2: more up. closely, Nate. Yeah, that's what I said. We talk about it basically all the time. He won't even hear this. Mm-hmm. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can just send us hi. You don't have to send us anything. Um, You can say hi, um, but don't just say hi because it's been done. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash StuffYouShouldKnow. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And in the meantime, you can hang out with us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
1: Hey,
0: if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work, sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com designed for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com.